Good morning, believers. Robin and I are excited today. We have a couple in a moment that we're going to be chatting with, and they're going to be telling you their story. And man, it is a good one. It always inspires me to hear it. So I grabbed them and I said, hey, would you please just come and share your story with everybody that's going to be tuning in today. So thank you so much. That'll be happening in a little while. We're going to go into some worship in a moment with Michael and Justin, and they've got a great set of worship lined up for you. I just want to give you an encouragement uh, from Robin and I's heart about the near future. I know there's been a lot of questions about what are we going to do? When will we open up? And so I've been just as excited to know the answer as you. And every day on my prayer walk, I'm just uh, doing Revelation chapter 2 and 3, which is Holy Spirit speak to me because I believe when He does, we overcome. So I know there's a lot of options at hand. Uh, right now, the staff and the elders of the church, we're praying over several options for us to come back and begin to gather on a weekly basis on Sunday in worship. And as God confirms that to us, we will pass it on to you. And we're just as excited to get back together in fellowship and see all of you as I hope you are. So uh, would you just do me a favor, though? Would you pray for Robin and I, the leaders of our house and the elders of our house, that God would give us wisdom? We don't want to do anything foolish, but at the same time, we want to be people of faith and we want to respond in faith and live by faith. And uh, until then, we hope you're enjoying every week what we bring. We try to be very intentional. I know I'm praying about it. We meet every Monday with a group of people and we just talk and pray about what we can do to help encourage you. I know YouTube is full of great preachers. I know I watch two or three preachers every week on Sunday and Monday of just their online services and I'm always blessed. So I hope you're being blessed by us and being challenged as well. Hey, this week, all week long, is our Bible reading project. We're still keeping that going. It's Matthew chapter 28, all week long. I'm going to be reading it. It's just 18 verses here in a moment. But we want you to jump right in with Matthew chapter 28, all week long. I'm not really sure what the governor is going to do, but I hear they're going to be lifting some of the guidelines and some of the quarantine um, protocols. So if so, maybe grab some friends and get together with them, read the Bible together, and you can kind of start building community that way. I know it's a great thing. Hey, I love you. I want to not take too much time because we just have a wonderful couple, and I know you're going to be blessed, and I don't want to take all their time away. So let's just jump right into it. And Matthew chapter 28, it is 18 verses long. Uh, my opinion of the chapter is it is probably one of the most pivotal transitional chapters of what faith is really like. And uh, it's leading our church into where I believe God wants to take us when we come back home. And I'll share it with you as I read. Let's jump right in. I'm doing New Living Translation, uh, Matthew chapter 28. Let's just jump right in. Read it together. Hope to get your kids, your family around, and let's just go through it together. Here we go. Verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, as a new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. 
I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying, and now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see him there. Remember what I've told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened but also filled with great joy and they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet and worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and there they will see me. As the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and told the leading priests what had happened. A meeting with the elders was called and they decided to give the soldiers a large bribe. They told the soldiers, You must say... Jesus' disciples came during the night while we were sleeping and they stole his body. If the governor hears about it, we'll stand up for you so you won't get in trouble. So the guards accepted the bride and said what they were told to say. Their story spread widely among the Jews and they still tell it today. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Teach them, that teach these new disciples to obey the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always even to the end of the age. That to me is such a powerful chapter because it really um, in a nutshell sums up what all of faith is about. I want to, you know, just challenge you with this that I've been doing every single week because it's so heavy on my heart during this time as I'm just reflecting on the end chapters of the Bible. Again, we're reading Matthew 28 all week, so every day this week, jump in and read it. But the thing that keeps sticking out to me over and over is that these people who followed him so diligently and saw all the miracles just continually doubt. I mean, you know, they, they just... Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's shocking. I'll just put it that way. You, you, what you read in the Bible and then you really get down to the nitty-gritty. They're humans just like us. But I've been trying every week to give you very practical things that show the reality of Jesus Christ. I don't know anybody personally that's ever seen Him that I know. But I know tons of people that have been changed by His power. Uh, I, I have multiple testimonies myself personally. I know Robin and I as a couple just have a myriad of stories that, that show us the reality of God. You heard, you heard Robin's story last week, and if you didn't, I would encourage you to go to the YouTube page that we have at the church and re-watch that from last week. It was so good. I get inspired every time she tells it about her upbringing with her dads and the things that was going on, but how she brought the reality of Jesus into her life personally, how her mom did it, her dad. And so as we were discussing... This week, you know, that same theme rolls over in all these Gospels that, that there has to come a moment to where the reality of Jesus just squarely hits you in the heart. And as we read this chapter, I want you to look at two things that I believe are critical to the end verse because the end verse says this, the real goal of faith is go teach people. 
Uh, you know, so many times we use our faith for just us. Like, Jesus heal my migraine. Jesus fix my car. Jesus help my children. Jesus help me in school. Jesus bless my dog. You know, we, we, there's nothing wrong with that. But, but that's not the goal of faith. In this chapter, the goal of faith is Jesus brings his reality down and the, the root of the reality of Jesus is that you're supposed to teach other people. So this may sting a bit, but I'll ask it anyway because I ask it of myself. Are you teaching someone else about Jesus? If you're not, then you're living below where Jesus really wants all of us to live. And I think the saddest thing we've done in American church is we've, we've abdicated all of that to preachers or pastors and, you know, what we would say, just a common person who believes in Jesus who's not a pa preacher, pastor, um, very difficult for, to think, I could teach somebody else. But that's what I want you to grab in your heart. But you'll never teach somebody else until he becomes real to you. I follow a lot of folks on social media, and I just get astounded. Like, we do not struggle to witness. We don't struggle to teach people because just follow people. They'll witness about their product. They'll witness about their life change. They'll witness about their fitness plan, their favorite music, their concert, whatever it is. Post pictures. Um, you know, we don't have a problem witnessing. But when it comes to Jesus, it's like we go null and void and we get nervous about it. Like, I don't know what to say. And, and yet the expectation of the authority of Jesus is that every believer who confesses Jesus Christ is supposed to be teaching someone else, not just wearing a t-shirt that says, I love Jesus, or hey, let me pray for you, and then I pray a silent prayer. The goal is to teach somebody else. So to do that, something has to happen, and here's what has to happen. Number one, you'll never teach somebody else if you're a skeptic. Skeptics don't teach people. Skeptics just basically criticize. It's what they did with Jesus' body uh, when they lied about it. The guard said, hey, let's just make up a fake story and let's just keep telling it over and over and over and over and over. Let's just act like somebody stole it. You see, if you're a skeptic, it's hard to teach somebody else if you don't believe it. I find this, that the easiest way to witness anything, not just about Jesus, but just a life change. Let's say somebody loses a lot of weight. You don't have to tell them, oh, go witness about losing weight. Man, they're showing pictures of their pants being too big or how much weight they've lost or how good a shape they're in. Because when, when you have been impacted and it becomes a reality to you, you, you naturally talk about it. But I, I think one reason a lot of Christians don't talk about Jesus a lot is they're skeptical. You know, they're skeptical. He doesn't answer my prayer. Well, he didn't do this for me or he didn't do that or I don't understand the Bible. It doesn't make sense to me. And the second thing about the disciples, it says, you know, they believed but they still doubted. Mm -hmm. And I, I know even in my own life, I was a believer that was loaded up with doubt. And I think a lot of Christians kind of land there and were comfortable because if I believe, I won't go to hell. But I still have so many doubts that I'm really not to the level to teach somebody else. I'm too skeptical to teach somebody because I'm struggling. Or I'm too, I have too much doubt to teach somebody because I'm trying to figure it out myself. And so, you know, what we wanted to do today is we wanted to bring a couple in the church to just share their story. Uh, and I'm sure when you hear it, there would be a lot of reasons for them to be skeptical. It, Jesus doesn't work. Um, 
does the kingdom work? Does church work? I mean, it, it, their story, if they go that way, I mean, they, they could have church hurts and family hurts and life hurts. So uh, our goal was just to, to have a conversation with them. It would be real simple, but just a casual conversation and, and let you hear what God has done in their life because what I would like to do is move believers from a place of skepticism and doubting to a place that you're so certain Jesus is real, you can't shut up. You have to tell somebody else about him and you have to begin to teach other people. Man, welcome back. That was incredible worship. We hope you enjoyed it. I always do. Uh, just love sitting there on Sunday morning and even Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I go back and just listen to them and let them play in my office. And so great. I love Justin and Michael and Olivia just leading us. And I shout a thanks to them here publicly to everybody. Well, we have wonderful people. I'd like to call them guests, but they're like my own kids. Matt and Nessa Goss. Give it up. She calls me Peepaw, which is great. One day I'll probably be a granddad. You never know. But uh, she works here at the church. So a lot of you probably are much more familiar with Nessa because she's out front. She's checking in your baby. She's making sure B-Kids is up and running. And you do a great job, by the way. Thank you so much for being here. They came to Believer's Church several years ago. And Matt is always behind the scenes making everything click. So thank you, Matt, for all your hard work uh, doing all the sound productions on Sunday for us. I know you're doing all the editing for Believer's Kids. Man, you guys are doing a great job with the videos. Y'all are killing it. If you get famous, remember me and Robin when you come into your Hollywood walk of fame. But uh, Robin and I were chatting about the reality of Jesus. And I thought, what better uh, people to bring on and just let them tell their story. Let Matt... Uh, share with you his story about the reality of Jesus in his life. It is an incredible story when you hear it. So I just grabbed him and said, hey, would you come on? Would you tell it? Because uh, when you hear it, you will probably think he should be a skeptic. <laughs> he should probably have a lot of doubts. But man, I love both of you. Y'all are so passionate about Jesus. It inspires me. Y'all are infectious for Jesus. And I'm just kind of partially... Uh, glad and proud that Jesus uh, saw fit to send y'all here because it is a great blessing to have you. So let's just jump right in. Um, the, the question at hand is this, uh, first to you, Matt, the, the reality of Jesus, you grew up in a Christian home, but how Jesus became so real to you with all the mess that went on in this story you're about to tell. And then we'll just kind of jump right into you two as a couple and kind of hear how, how do you practically in today, in 2020, make Jesus a reality together as a husband and wife? So let's just jump right in. Start with your story. Man, take your time. Tell, tell any side of it you want to tell because I think people need to hear it because what I would like them to take away is you probably have a, a, a great reason to be a skeptic. And yet you have such passion for Jesus. It inspires me and I know it's going to inspire other people. So just jump right in, man. Tell us kind of the beginning of it and wrap it up for us. Yeah. So um, like you said, I grew up in church, had a great family, a great Christian family, um, serve in church, still serving at the same church since before I was born. My parents were awesome. Um, my dad's father was a pastor, so he was a PK and kind of just kind of grew up in that environment. 
And um, so I grew up in church. Uh, my dad did audio as well, just like I do. And uh, from him doing that, I'm there early and leave late. Most of the time, uh, last person just there. Just like you do yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> just like I do now, yeah. Um, so obviously that means that I would become friends with people who are also there all the time because um, I was around this time that the story takes place is kind of like later middle school. Um, so I became really good friends with uh, the youth pastor's son. My brother and I both did. So we were together all the time, staying in each other's houses. So naturally, that would make our parents become friends with their parents. And it was just kind of a um, that situation. And, and we were just all, always together. Um, so one Sunday morning, um, the youth pastor's whole family didn't show up. Youth pastor, his wife, and their son. Um, and... Now, are you there at church already, even though they didn't all show up? It's kind yeah, of like, yeah. It was just a normal Sunday morning, and, and but they, didn't they were nowhere to be found. Okay. And um, it actually, uh, apparently, um, the youth pastor said he had gotten an argument with his wife um, sometime Wednesday after church, mm-hmm. after youth, or Thursday, sometime in that time frame. And um, we actually saw him. And I hung out. We went to a actually a thing. I don't remember at some high school and did mm-hmm. some kind of event thing. I don't know what it was. Removing tables. That's all I remember. Right. Um, so we did that, and he was acting weird, like the youth pastor was. He was right. acting really, really strange. And we kept saying, "Where's you know so and so, his wife?" And he said that he was telling people that they had gotten into an argument, and she took off. But what was weird was she hadn't told anybody nobody from the church knew right that they right. were arguing so everybody was kind of like that nuke was like that's weird but okay right um so they don't show up on this sunday morning right after that next sunday morning and um we find out that um the youth pastor had been involved in a lot of things mm-hmm. um not just the the main part of the story but he had been involved in a lot of things prior to this that were hidden from the people from the church. They didn't, that, uh, like pastors from the church, that they had no clue this was going on. And from my understanding, because I've still only been told little bits and pieces Mm because there's no reason for me to know, especially if it's just going to hurt me. I don't need to know all the details, but um, uh, they weren't there because the youth pastor had turned himself in Mm -hmm. for um, murdering his wife. Jeez. Um, so and you're good friends with him, right? I mean, you're great friends with him, yeah. his son and everything. Yeah. And, and he then, was, he was kind of like a, like almost like a role model. Cause sure. that's what a youth pastor is. You know, I was in middle school. He's like a little bit older right. and he's friends with all the cool high school kids that are in the youth group. So you kind of look up to somebody like that. That's like leading those cooler kids. So what does that do? I mean, here you, you grow up in church, your dad, you're like part of that family, and then on a Sunday morning found out, well, the reason they're not here, he killed her. Yeah, actually I mean, how I found out was I was I was dating a girl at the time, and they called a church meeting that Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Um, and and everybody came, and they said, don't bring your kids. Um, but for some reason, the girl I was dating at the time, she was there. Mm-hmm. And I get a call, and all I hear is, 
so and so's dead, so and so's dead, and that's all I can hear. And oh, I'm just wow. like, what? And I look at my brother. And I said, hey, um, my girlfriend's telling me that so and so's dead, the youth pastor's wife. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he was like, whatever. And he just right. kind of shrugged it off, like, what do you do in that situation? Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm, right. I just saw her Wednesday. What are you talking about? Yeah, sure. Um, especially being that young. Um, so my parents had the conversation with us the next day, I believe. I don't remember if it was that night or the next day. And, um, man, it messed me up. But the reason why, from what I understand and what I've been to- told, was he was actually sleeping with um, he was sleeping with uh, a girl that was in the youth group mm-hmm. that was way underage. Sure. And his wife, knowing some of what he was doing behind the scenes and kind of trying to, uh, I guess, shovel over it um, and kind of like hide what was going on, that was the last straw. Like when she found that out, apparently that was the issue. Oh, sure. From what I understand, and that's the reason why what took place took place. So he turns himself in, and from there, I just just kind of in shock for like two weeks. Sure. And just kind of like, what just happened? Sure. Um, like, were you still seeing the the his son? I mean, were y'all still it, talking, that, or is it just it, like little little bits? Okay. You know, because little little pieces, but he actually moved away. Um, because he had to go live with family. Right. Um, and probably a couple hours away. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. So I, I lost a friend, too, a really, really good friend that I hung out with all the time. So so from that, it kind of sent me into this, like, even if God's real, and even if everything that I grew up knowing is is so, I don't want anything to do with yeah. it. I, I don't care about God. If even if he's one hundred percent real, I want to go the opposite way because oh, sure. how could he let that happen in his church? How could he let that happen in blaming God for the sin of the world? You yeah, know? sure. And who else wouldn't do that in middle school? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, so what did you do? I mean, you, you talk about I ran from that the opposite. What started happening? So it, I don't think it happened like instantly, but it just instantly I just started just saying I don't care about this, but. I did play the fake Christian card all the way through Mm -hmm. and it just kept getting darker and darker. And I got into literally anything I can think of was opposite. So I got like interested in like, like, um, like satanic type stuff, like, like, um, satanic Bible, stuff like that. All kinds Mm -hmm. of just kind of like diving in, made friends that did the exact same thing and Mm -hmm. were in the same, uh, mindset as that started diving into drugs and got going deeper and deeper and got to the point. Now, this is like how deep into drugs did you go? Pretty deep. Like anything I could get my hands on. <laughs> right, yeah. I was gonna do. Wow. Essentially. Did your parents know? I no, mean, I was, okay, so, I was, so I you're came, faking it. You're you know Yeah, I came to church high all the time. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Bless all your heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, who wouldn't, right? I mean, after a story like that, I mean, how crazy is that, right? Just everything you believe, everything you've been told, everything you trust to be true, like you said, a mentor, right? Somebody that you highly esteem, and then all of a sudden the carpet's ripped out. And, you know, I think that's what people miss is that mentors hold a high place of God in your life, even though, you know, we don't 
categorize them as God, but when they do fall, it is a it sends a dark hole. I mean, even in my own life, when I had my meltdown, I mean, it causes a dark hole. So let's go there for a minute. Let's go to that dark hole you're in. You're 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 kind of playing the fake card, uh, you know, showing up high to church, hurt, mad at God, blaming God, but still in the Christian scene, still going to church. Your parents are still going to church. So at that point, what starts shifting in you that brings you, uh, I would just say, back full circle? Like, dude, I am so now passionate about God. Yeah, that was a crazy story. And yeah, I have a lot of reasons to be skeptical, but. So take me to that but. What happened to this guy that's doing as much drugs as he can do, skeptical and doubting, what happened? Um, so it actually happened. Uh, I was I knew I had to go to a youth event because I was still going to church because my parents were. You're to church, how old so. at this time? Um, kind of like between eighth and ninth grade. Okay. It's kind of like blurred. The whole there's <laughs> a lot sure. going on at the time. This oh, is yeah. not the only situation that happened. So right, there's some right. other stuff. Yeah. Um, so around that time and I just, so I, I was told that I need to go to this thing and there was this guest speaker, he was going to be there and I was like, cool. So went to it. Um, prior to that, I had some friends who were like, Hey, let's do this stuff. Let's take these pills. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, well, I don't know if you should take that much. And they were like, Oh no, dude, you'll be fine. You do this stuff all the time. I was like, you sure? And they're like, yeah. Note that only probably 30 or 40 milligrams away from the last time I did this amount, I OD'd, like projectile vomiting and the worst headache you could ever imagine. Like sure. every time my I could feel the blood pumping in my brain and every time it happened, my eyes would tear. Wow. And um, so I did, I did the drugs, went to the youth event, did not care about anything that was going on there whatsoever. Didn't pay attention to anything you said in the sermon. Didn't do anything. And I'm freaking out because they were uppers, so I was ready to go. Right. I did not want to sit down for an hour and listen to some dude talk about Jesus who I didn't care about at all. Uh, um, so at the end of his sermon, he just says, all right, if you are ready to give your life to Christ— and come up here and give your life to Christ, raise your hand. So all I heard was, get up, raise your hand. So I raised my hand, and I'm like, I'll go up there to get out of this stupid seat. And so I did. I got up. And as I'm walking there, I didn't know what it was at the time, but obviously now I understand it's the Holy Spirit just kind of like touched me, like, That's boom. Awesome. I felt it. And then that led me to... It's kind of like the heart tug, and it led me to just say, as I was walking up there, God, if you're real, if you love me, show me. That's all I want to know. Nothing more than that. Just like, I'm all hopped up on drugs. I don't care if you're real. Just show me. That's it. So awesome. So as I'm walking up, I walk up to the front. There was these carpets um, at the front of the where the altar was. And when I stepped on the carpet, I just felt like an overwhelming peace just come over my body. And then I just remember looking at my hands where I was like, kind of like had the jitters. Mm -hmm. And I just remember looking at them and then seeing peace in my hands. And I remember because what I took usually gives you this like, kind of like tight, excited, like 
energy feeling in your chest Mm -hmm. and you're just ready to go, that kind of like started to go away. And then it just eventually just bottled all the way down and I just broke down and fell apart and cried. And I was just like, he has to be real. Wow. And like that, that piece, like there's just nothing that, and just diving in the darkness, like when you get that piece, you're like, whoa. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. (laughs) And then right after that, just went full into repentance mode, full (laughs) into this is what I've done. Went to my parents and said, hey, I've been doing this, I've been doing this, I've been doing this, I've been doing this. I've messed up this way. I've been doing this with these people. I've been sneaking out all the time, doing all these drugs, partying, smoking weed, doing all these things. And they were just like, what? Mm -hmm. Because they had been praying for me because they knew that that something was wrong. They could sure. see something was wrong, but they didn't know because I was really good at hiding it. And they just knew that something was wrong, so they were praying for me and fasting for me mm-hmm. um, regularly. And, um, yeah, so after that, something changed in me, and I was just like, I don't want any of this stuff anymore. That's so good. Yeah. I love that Man. the kindness of God never, <laughs> never, never comes so with good. requirements on it. Like Never. You can be high, sneaking, lying, and the kindness of God can wreck your life. Wreck your life. Yeah, he, he just comes at us with no expectations. So yeah. I love that. I want you to do something real quick, and then we want to talk to you as a couple about how God is reality with both of you guys as a husband and wife. But uh, I want you to kind of get your thoughts together because I just want you to pray a prayer for people that are watching, especially young people. And skeptical people. There's, there's a lot of Christians that are skeptical today. They've been done wrong by preachers. They've been hurt by authority. Uh, you know, church, quote, did them wrong. Uh, and there may be even some young people that don't know the peace you talked about. And, and they may be sneaking and hiding and living in darkness. And, and I just felt with you talking and you said, man, that peace was so real. Uh, before we talk about you as a couple, I would like you to just pray a prayer. And man, if you're, you know, tuning in right now or you know somebody, maybe share this video with them. But I'm going to ask Matt to just pray for you. And I'm going to ask him to pray this, that God will bring you out of a place of darkness. And God will give you supernatural peace like you've never, I love what he said, like, man, this is like a peace I didn't know. And then God is going to reveal himself to you. I love what you said walking up there. God, if you're real. I mean, here you are high on drugs. God, if you're, that's how big God is. And I want God to do that for you. I want him to reveal himself to you. Now, I don't know what that looks like for you, but I know God's big enough to know it. So why don't you just pray a prayer? And then after the prayer, we'll just jump right into you guys as a couple. Amen. Father, we come to you and, and we just, we love you. And we just want to lift up anybody who's struggling right now. Anybody that's listening to this prayer, Father. Anybody that's, that this story might have tugged their heart. Um, that they just don't, even in this whole corona thing, this whole situation where um, it's just unprecedented times and we just just fear um, or are just running away because they've been hurt or any any situation, Father, that they're, they're running um, from you. And I just pray that you just give your peace to them right now, Father. The same peace that you granted me when I didn't deserve it, Father, I pray that you have that peace fall over them. God, that you would show yourself and reveal yourself true to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, that's so good. Awesome. So we fast forward several years. Yes. Woo-woo-woo, married. God continued to be kind. <laughs> <laughs> Very kind. I sent him sweet Nessa. So um, 
Why don't you share with us, if you can, just maybe some of the ways that you see the reality of God um, playing out in his life as, as his life has continued to grow with the Lord and um, now you two are married. So um, just how you display that as a husband and wife, how you see it in him and in your own life, just the, the re realities of who God is for both of you. Yes, well, for me, it's really making room for the Holy Spirit to move because I'm probably the hothead of the couple. <laughs> and so, like, I've had a lot of moments where I've had to grow in that and just be like, let the Holy Spirit talk to me. Cause, and now I'm to the point where I can tell if I'm acting out of flesh or, you know, it's a righteous anger, but most of the time it's flesh. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just really making time to allow the Holy Spirit to move or if there's something on my heart that I'm convicted of, and I've had those moments, too, where I've really had an opinion about something, but I know that the Holy Spirit has to work on his heart, too, and I can't push him for it because that's not what I need to do. And so it's really, for me, just a learning experience of allowing the Holy Spirit to move and knowing that he does speak, and he will speak to Matt, he will speak to me, and we make decisions as a couple. He is the head of the household, but I have a voice, too, and it's that balance of being a team, you know. So that's really my main thing for that. I think that's critical, though, it, as a young couple, mm -hmm. because to hear you guys say we, we value listening to the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit, you know, typically with a lot of Christian couples, that's, man, that's the last thing we would do. That's our last-ditch effort is, you know, hanging on to the end of a rope last-ditch effort, but, you know, to hear you say we always are trying to, to put the Holy Ghost out there and, and to hear His reality. Um, how do y'all do that practically as a couple? Do you, do you do Bible studies together? Do you pray together? Do you have, I mean, in a practical way for couples that are watching, you know, and, or just anybody wanting to, how do I make Jesus a reality in my everyday life? How do y'all do, do that? Um, so... Um, we do, we pray every night before we get to, bre uh, to bed for, um, whatever it is, Holy Spirit to show us what to do in certain situations. Um, but also, uh, I kind of have this thing that, um, Nessa's kind of come accustomed to that being the story that I just told has kind of led me into a, this severe thing happened and I need to trust God. Kind of like that mentality after it all, mm -hmm. after seeing, being over the hump and actually seeing what, what happened is things happen in our lives and then like bad things, crazy things that are happening, even if it's something like we don't have enough money for this or is something like this person is really, really struggling, I kind of like, freak out for like three minutes <laughs> and then full on give it to God. Yeah. Sure. Holy Spirit, I call Nessa and say, I'm freaking out, <laughs> but you know what? I don't care because at the end of the day, God knows. He does. And if we ask the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom, he will. And, and it's just, I used to see it as kind of like a crutch, like, like, uh, I think I'm just doing this like as a, as a way to let go of it. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But now that I'm older, I'm seeing that I just am trusting God. And it's not a crutch. It's I'm full on trusting and letting the Holy Spirit guide me through whatever I'm going to do. And I know that I'm going to make the decision that he knew I was going to make if I ask him for it. Mm-hmm. You know? That's good. Yeah. I think just... that's what our testimonies do for us is they do bring us strength. Mm-hmm. Um, even though in the middle of it, it's chaotic and it's um, tumultuous and it brings us torment and it can even throw us into a spiral. I think when we can look back on something and see that God has pulled through, that the Holy Spirit has been kind, um, it makes trusting him so much easier so yeah. that so that you do have those three minutes of, oh my gosh, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's like I told you when Corona hit and all the shutdown. I mean, when you've been, when you've already been at a rock bottom spot, it's very easy to say, hey, you know what? We're, we're going to make it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to be okay. Yep. You know, the Holy Spirit just shows up. So, so he, he is the three minutes in, I'm trusting God. But obviously, how, how do you work yourself from, uh, you know, because Robin and I have had that conversation. She's like, I'm glad you trust him. And I'm, and I'm like, and sometimes I've been, well, I'm glad you feel good because I don't feel good. Um, so you're married to a guy who's got a, a moment in his life where trust became so real and you married him. And so three minutes in, he's like, I'm done. I'm moving on. I'm trusting God. And here you are as a wife. How do you work yourself to a place of trust? Um, well, we talk about it, and it usually takes me a little bit longer. Like, if I'm frustrated, it'll take me a little bit of time. Or if I'm freaking out about an issue, it'll take me a little bit of time. But really, just after talking to him is what helps bring me down, you know? And just being able to say, okay, I heard my husband. Now I can just pray about it. Sure. And that, or call my mom. (laughs) (laughs) Or call Pastor Jean or somebody like that. Um, so, yeah, just... Speaking to Matt about it, talking it through, getting his opinion, even if I still feel like I'm right. Sure. Um, you know, so. I think I think with me and you, and I think, you know, you may can even talk to this, that there have been times in our home when we're struggling or kid issues where one of us has strong faith and, and the other one is like sitting in a tub crying, mm-hmm. kind of like, and and, you know, that's such an easy way for the devil to come in and, make one feel kind of righteous almighty and make the other one feel so lowly and guilty. So how, do, how would you help, or maybe you personally, how do you get yourself from out of the funk to trust God when everything in you is like, it's not going to work? Well, I think, I think one of the first things is to understand that in marriage, um, even though it's easy to get frustrated if one of you are feeling a little differently or feeling overwhelmed and the other one is the three-minute person, we're going to be okay, is I think we've learned to value fighting together instead of against each other. Mm-hmm. You know, to really know that it's an enemy that we're fighting, um, whether that's fear or panic or um, grief or, or whatever that might be, and to really be patient with whichever one of us are falling out. He did say in the tub crying, which is normally me. <laughs> I don't sit in the tub and cry, but hey. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think that it it helps to understand that, that God has given you mm-hmm. um, what the Bible really actually calls a helpmate, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know that we think of marriage like that anymore, <laughs> but you're really supposed to be a benefit to one another. And I think when you learn to lean in and rely on um, one another, it makes life so much easier, that journey. And it does kind of bring a settling and just a peace. I think when, when you know, you can be that for one another. Mm-hmm. So I've just learned to... Um, 
you know, to in those moments to calm myself and still myself and to listen to the Holy Spirit and to remind myself that you are my gift when it comes to those moments that I would want to be shaky or the enemy would want to cause yeah, that's me good. To, to lose it. So, um, I, um, you know, I know your story too, but where in your life you grew up in church, you know, your dad, his situation, um, you know, just in a brief moment, where where in your personal wall did, because you two are very passionate about Jesus. I mean, your personality for Jesus is just always so gung-ho and bubbly. And, and you know, I think you're honest with your fears and anxieties because you'll talk to me some and Robin. And, you know, I think that's normal when you're growing in faith. But can you pinpoint a time in your personal life where, you know, you grew up in church, so I'm sure you got a multiple stories of you could have been skeptical or doubtful. Can you kind of put your finger on a moment where you go, at this moment in my life, man, I really chose to start believing and trusting Him? Yeah, I can. It was um, actually when I chose to come down to Georgia for ministry school. And that was when? What year? That was 2013. Okay. So I had already kind of started being serious about God, um, but I remember hearing... I wanted to stay in Illinois for a boy, and I clearly heard the Lord say, that's the stupidest reason <laughs> to stay anywhere. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and so I guess I'm going to Georgia. And what proved God real to me is because I wasn't even accepted at the school yet. I didn't have any place to live. And uh, Pastor Jonathan Jensen was like, it doesn't matter. Come on down. You'll be accepted. Awesome. And then two weeks into school, I was like, I'm not accepted yet, <laughs> but I'm going to do my work. <laughs> and I was accepted. They just had a backlog. And then I started learning about tithing. And I had never really tithed, had the revelation of tithing. And so when I chose to start tithing, you know, every paycheck that I got, even though it wasn't a lot, I remember um, my tuition that I owed. Pastor Jonathan came to me and said, hey, don't worry about that tuition. Somebody blessed you. Awesome. And I was like, okay, God's <laughs> definitely real. Like, he's not just a Bible character. He wants to bless me, and he has good things for me. And then I met Matt, and everything has just been good since that then. That is awesome. The <laughs> so. reason you left Illinois is Matt was praying. Exactly. It's like, Lord, I need a woman. <laughs> <laughs> From Illinois, she came. I love it. Man, your story inspires me. And it's so, it, you ought to take them to Mexico because it's so deep and rich. Just the reality, you know, of, uh, I think Robin and I, we everybody's got a story, right? But I think the beauty that always inspires, because you've told it a lot of times when we're sitting around pizza, you know, you, you, you kind of have a lot of time to tell all the story and the humorous sides as well as the tragic sides and, uh, you know, the just your your passion for Jesus inspires me at 55 years old. Just, you know, of, of wanting that kind of non-skeptical faith. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what I wanted to do today. And so I'm going to ask you in just a minute, Nessa, just to pray before communion, to pray for people who may be struggling with skepticism or taking a big step of faith. I know there's people watching that are praying about college, what they're going to do for their future. Uh, you know, nervous, can God do it? Will he, will he come through? Um, and, and I want you to bless them in a minute. And because I think it's important, I'll just, you know, from my heart to you, the whole thing that I felt in my heart praying for us today is, is the two words, skepticism and doubting. And how many people are Christians 
but have a root of skepticism and a root of doubting. And they never really see the reality of God. It's, I think you just said it. he's more than a Bible character, right? But, but when you're skeptical and when you doubt, you never can go to that ending, what, two verses, verses 18 through 20. You never can get there to understand the authority of Jesus when he touched you walking up to an altar high. And he says, all authority has been given unto me. And you saw it in that moment. He's like, I have the authority, Matt. There's peace. And didn't even deserve peace, but, but he brings you the peace. And man, to get to that place of all authority so I can go teach other people. The only way that's possible is you have to quit being a skeptic and you have to quit being a doubter. And you have to go all in for God. And I believe that's where the Lord is taking our church at Believers is... I even said this to Robin not long ago. Man, when we gather back, and I told God this on my prayer walk today, I was like, God, I want to go all in. Like, I, I feel like sometimes I still hold back. I want to go all in, in every way, in my giving, in my Bible reading. Uh, you know, God, I want, to, I want to be all in for you. So I don't know what's holding all in back for you. Maybe it's hurt, skepticism, doubt fear, anxiety. You mentioned like coronavirus. Um, but, but I don't want you to tune out until you settle it. That There needs to be no more anxiety. I'm going to ask Nessa just to bless you. If you're anxious, nervous, fearful about your future, skeptical, doubting, I'm just going to ask her to pray a prayer of blessing. And at the very end, we're going to take communion together. So I want you to go ahead and get your elements together because at the end of her prayer, we're going to bless these elements and we're going to put our faith with your faith that uh, God is going to work in your home, in your hearts, in your marriages, in your finances, whatever He is. And you're going to come out, man, all in faith for Jesus. So why don't you just bless, man, speak a blessing, pray a blessing, whatever the Holy Ghost puts in your heart for those that are watching. And let's believe that God will increase their faith. Dear Lord, we thank you for this time that we get to come together and just share our stories and encourage one another. We pray that this time blesses the people watching and I lift up the ones specifically that are struggling with worrying and anxiety and don't have peace and they're doubting or they're just very skeptical. God, during this time, I pray that you just wash them over with peace, with your love, become real in their lives, real in their homes, begin to plant seeds in their hearts, Jesus. We thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. Let me never forgive that, forget that, Lord. And we just ultimately thank you, God, for being so gracious to us in the, our darkest moments that you still reach out to us a hand, and we just have to reach back. So we lift up your name, bless this communion, bless the households watching, and we thank you. Amen, amen. We want you to get your communion elements with us. We're just going to end taking communion. We want you to reach out to God, man. Put your faith in the Lord. We bless you. Have a great week. Matthew chapter 28. Let's jump in together. Let's be reading it. Bible Reading Project. We'll put a little link at the bottom right now. You can go to the Bible Reading Project on Instagram or our website. Follow along with us all week. Matthew chapter 28. We can't wait to see you next week. We bless you and we love you. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church podcast. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there's anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week for a brand new message.